0: You're listening to the Player Layer Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Alexiev, and today I've got with me Bruno Katala, who is an amazing game designer. Uh, he's been doing game design for the past 20 years, and in that time he's produced some amazing games. Uh, he's collaborated with a ton of designers, and we were able to get go really in-depth on his process and um, the specifics of a lot of games which he's made. Um, on a small note, there were some sound problems that we had, which, uh, because my neighbors are renovating. So, uh, I have edited it out as much as possible and just know that, um, towards the middle of the podcast, you're going to hear some, uh, renovation, but, uh, it'll go away quick and hopefully it's not too bad. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode with Bruno (laughs) Cathala. I am here with uh, Bruno Catal today, who is one of my favorite designers. Um, He's designed games and worked on games such as Five Tribes, uh, Seven Wonders, Duel, Yamatai, King Domino, Abyss, uh, Mission Red Planet, Raptor, uh, Shadows Over Camelot, a ton of games, Uh, a a lot of which, uh, and and that's not even... uh, half of them that I just mentioned. How are you doing today?
1: Fine, fine. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to, to be able to discuss with gamers anywhere in the, in the world. So uh, so yes, I'm really happy to, to discuss with you.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy as well. Um, and I, to, to start off, I want to ask you about uh, how you first got into game design and how you first got ah. into games.
1: Uh, well, I always was a player since, as far as I remember, But uh, when I was young, uh, I have no idea about uh, modern board games, in fact. I was just knowing the grand classics like uh, chess, Othello, etc. And uh, I loved that. And I discovered that there was a life after Monopoly, when I was something like 20, uh, just because uh, a friend of my parents offered me a French magazine, which was named Jeux et Stratégie, Games and Strategy. It was really uh, a surprise for me. And I bought my first game, which was Fief, which still exists today. Mm-hmm. And um, I love so much that game. And what was uh surprising to me is that this game was published because the game designer won a game design contest. So for the first time of my life, I, I uh, discovered that there were people designing games. I never thought about that before. And uh, at this age, when I was 20, I promised myself one day to make my my own game and to be published but at this time I had absolutely no idea what to do because the only ideas which could came into my mind were some chess variants in fact just because uh, I, I i fed my head only with such kind of games so uh, it was and it was clear to me that it was absolutely not sufficient to to propose something like this on the market so I go on my life, I make my studies, I I came into the industry because I was, uh, I became uh, engineer in material sciences. I, I worked in research and development, which is very close to what I'm doing today, but in another field. I built a family, I was really involved in sports, I was playing rugby, etc. So for a lot of years, I had no time to think about game design. But during all this time, I was always connected to games, buying games, buying games, teaching them to my friends, uh, offering games to friends, etc. And during this time, I learned a lot of things about games, but without really thinking about that. And uh, in 99, I broke my knee. That means that it was not possible to me to play rugby again. And I divorced. So I was alone at home, and uh I thought it was a good time, maybe, to to do what I was dreaming when I was twenty. So I I started to work on my first prototype, which was Sans Loire in French, uh, Lawless in English, mm-hmm. and it took some time. But my my big luck was that I found a publisher for this first game. So that's the story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually, I saw that the first game uh, you have on board, Game Geek, is called War and Sheep from 2002. Uh, yeah. Was it published before this uh, Lawless uh, game? Yes. Uh,
1: Lawless has been has been made before. Mm-hmm. And then I made War and Sheep, Drake and Drake, and Tony Tino, But I signed these games with the same publisher. And for marketing reasons, he decided... To, to uh, publish the two-player games before, and no less came maybe three or four months later. Mm-hmm. That means that I was coming from nowhere. I knew anybody. I knew, anybody, uh, uh, I knew uh, uh, nobody. Sorry, uh, in the game uh, industry, and uh, suddenly I had four games on the market. So it was uh, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. Could you tell me because like uh, from from the games I mentioned, in most of your games you work with other designers. Could you tell me how, first of all, how different it is uh, working by yourself on a game and working with somebody else on uh, the same idea? Uh,
1: The first thing is that creating means doubting. Doubting with someone else is much more comfortable than doubting alone. The second thing is that, uh, like I explained before, I worked before a lot of time in research, in development, in material sciences. You never work alone when you are making research and development. The first thing is that uh, I started to work on my first game quite late. I was something about... uh, I was 99, I was 36. So during all this time, I had the time enough to think. And it's a common thing that uh, everybody uh, um, agrees that uh, a writer which writes books, tells the same quite the same story all his life. And when I started to design my first games, I didn't want to make one game. I wanted to become game designer and to stay. And I thought immediately that the best way for me not to tell always the same things into my games was to mix working alone and aside working with other designers. Because, you know, your brain always come back in its comfort zone. Never mind if you want to be creative or not. It comes back in your comfort zone. So working with someone else is the best way to explore uh, fields. You never go alone. So today, it's very interesting to me, because, you know, I'm getting older and older each year. (laughs) That means that uh, my question is at which time my own ideas will be decoded to the market and because I will be too old. And uh, which is really interesting to me is that today I'm working also with young designers. And this experience with ideas coming from young people going into fields that maybe are strange to me is a very good way to say
0: how do you go into a game? How do you decide which games to start working on? Like I talked to Mark Pakien uh, a couple of weeks ago and he said that he showed you the game a couple of times before you said that... Uh, we're talking about Yamatai. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of times before you said that you were interested in um, in working with him. Yes.
1: yes, but it was... If we speak about this game, Yamatai, with Mark, mm-hmm. it's quite different because... Um, we are living close, and we were testing our games in the same uh, board game cafe, OK? And he was there with his board game, which was still built, and I was with mine. And he asked me to play with him so and to give him some, th- some feedback. It was he, he was creating his first game. So he didn't ask me at first to work with him, and to share the game design. He just asked me for, for some advice. And I gave him some advice, and again, and again, and again. And during a lot of time, it was not a co-design, because I didn't want to take his job for me. You, you, you know, it was, it was really important for me that if he preferred to do that. But at the end, he didn't find the good way to do it by his own. And so he asked me maybe one year and a half later uh, to join him and to work together. And at this time I came deeper into the game process and we rewritten the game together. But this is an example, but uh, in fact it could be a lot of different ways to work with someone else. Sometimes I have people asking me directly to work with me by mail or never mind or, or on uh on a game event, or very often also uh, we meet together with other designers just to play testing thing, to discuss, and during a discussion something comes and we start together at the same time. And sometimes I have some projects where I think that alone I will not be uh, the best to, to, to finish the game the best way. And I asked one of my colleagues, because I think that he's a good guy to, to go with me on that project. So there are a lot of different situations, and it depends. But, you know, to work together on a project, we need three things. First, to fall in love to the, for the project. Second, to have a real good connection with your partner. It has to be a question of friendship, really. Uh, not just we make a game. No, we have to be friends. It's very important to me because you know you never know if you will be successful or not when you try. You never know if you will publish or not when you work on a, on, a, on a game. So the path is long. It's difficult, and um, you have to this this life experience has to be satisfying. Never mind if you are published or not. So you have to have a good connection. And the first thing is you have to have, you have, you need, sorry, to have free time to, to engage in, in this project. And this is today my main problem. It's that, but, but I'm, I think that I'm working on too much things at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah. How, how many projects is it that you're working on? Usually uh, uh, something like 15. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's a lot.
1: But I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. Full time. Mm-hmm. Most of the other designers have a side job, so uh, for me it's easier to, to to have more projects because it's just my life, in
0: fact. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting that, like you said, in 1999 you went into game design, knowing that uh, you know you had several other like failures in life with the broken knee and uh, mm-hmm. and the divorce, and you 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 decided to go in and you wanted to to make it full time.
1: No, but at at first. Just just, I stop you. Just when I started in '99, I didn't want to become full-time game designer. But four years later, I lost my job. I was fired due to economical reasons. And in my uh, specialty, the only factory working on that specialty in France was mine. That means that I was interesting some other people, but abroad. So I would have to move far from home but my my childs were living one kilometer far from me so at this time in 2004 mm-hmm. i decided to transform my passion into a full-time job to try to do it just to be able to stay close to my children's mm-hmm.
0: so it's amazing that you you're uh, able to um do this as your full-time job and take on so many projects and with so many um dif- and so many different types of projects could you tell me about the like first ideas that you have for a game? I've heard you talk about uh, story, me- mechanism, and components as uh, your main influences, or the uh, three influences that, uh, that can start a game. But could you tell me how um, certain games uh, start out, maybe with some examples?
1: The, the Sparkling ID can come from three different ways. Uh, the, the story, the team, the mechanism, or the components. But the most important is the game experience you want to create. That means that the the story, the mechanism, and the the components are only tools for us, game designers, to create a game experience. So the most important is always thinking about the game experience. The Sparking ID can come from anywhere. For example, for Kingdomino, the Sparking ID was the component. I wanted to create a modern game with using dominoes because everybody knows dominoes since he's a child. But I never played before a domino game, which was exciting to me. So I decided to take that component to create something different, which was exciting to me, hoping that some other people will like that. For Shadows of a Camelot, for example, another, a, a very different uh, way, uh, game. The, the sparkling ID is making a cooperative game so it was the game experience but where where uh, people will be free to do what they want you can go in different ways etc and with maybe someone inside we will not cooperate but you don't know that mm. so this is the sparkling ID and then you build something other. and um, for the mechanism uh, starting f- I very Often starts from mechanism, so because it's probably more easy for my head, my comfort zone, for example. Mm-hmm. And one of my last game, I don't know if you, no, you don't have have it uh, in Bulgaria, but uh, it's Track Twelve. Mm-hmm. Track Twelve, it's a run and ride game, which today it only published in fr- France, Switzerland, Belgium, but which will come in a few months, I hope. And the Sparkling ID is just you roll two dice. And with these two dice, you can keep only the minimum value, the smallest value, the highest value, the sum, the multiplications, or the subtractions. And with that, you do something. Mm -hmm. And And the Sparkling ID is only that mechanism. And then we created. A complete game, but but always thinking of what I want to create as a game experience with the people around the table.
0: At what point, uh, after you have that first idea and and you have that experience that you want to create, uh, at what point do you make a prototype and sort of you know t- take it out of your head? <laughs>
1: uh, the latest, as possible. <laughs> You know, it's something which comes from my former job. I was working in research and development with in a field where all experiences were very, very expensive. And when I was a young engineer, my my boss uh, always uh, t- told me, "Bruno, why do you want to make that experience?" And I was explaining, extra and they said, "Yes, but you know." the rules of material sciences, you, you know these common rules. So, do you are you able to project the result you would have in that field? And I say, yes, I think I should be around that, but we never explore. Yes, but it told me, you know. So, why would I spend money for something we know? Because of the general rules. If we want to explore a completely new field where nobody will have, well, yes, I pay. But if you are able to project what we will get, I don't pay. And that means that in my former job, I spent a lot of time just to think. And I do exactly the same with my games. That means that when we, when I have an idea, I imagine game situation as long as it's possible to me to imagine how the games goes. And as long as I can imagine things which are not really interesting, or some bugs, or something like that. I just continue to uh, modify the the things, but just mentally, in my head. And when all seems clear enough to be interesting, then I go on the prototype.
0: Yeah, and then then you usually, uh, I'm guessing, you usually see uh, some other problems that you couldn't uh, foresee in your head, right? Yes,
1: yes. For, for sure, but the thing is that in the main situation, the first prototype works. It doesn't work perfectly, for sure, but it works.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, and that's the, some, some of the, the, the best moments are uh, when, when you're able to foresee these things, because otherwise, I, I know a lot of uh, designers who I've talked to, and uh, I also, in, in making games, uh, usually try and get a prototype out early, Though I, though I also try and uh, think, think about it, but, uh... but
1: but but you know there is no good way and bad way to go. In fact, it depends of your personality. For me, this way to work is the good one, but it's adapted to 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 to, to me. But you know, I'm working very often with Ludovic Maublanc, which who is also a, a very good game designer, and he works exactly on the opposite way. As soon as he has an idea. Never mind, he, he doesn't know what to do with that. He builds some components immediately because he needs to manipulate them and to create them. And during this creating way, he might all, all the things come clearer to, to him. So and probably it's one of the reasons we are really good working together because we have two very different ways to see the things. And when we mix them together, probably it's better for a project.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's. it's I really think that everybody
1: everybody has to find his own way, not trying to to imitate someone else. Just be confident on yourself.
0: Yeah, I I think that's very very well uh, put. You really need to find uh, your own way. Could you tell me some something that I've noticed and something that I love in your games is. your two-player games, and because I feel like I feel like they're a real strong point um, that you have. Like uh, Seven Wonders Duel is one of one of my favorite games. And could you tell me like the difference, uh, or if there is a difference between designing a game for a larger player count and for two players?
1: <laughs> it's a difficult uh, answer because, in fact, I don't really know why. I'm connected to these games. It seems that uh, my ideas, the ideas which comes into my mind, are mostly better uh, when you play them only at two players. And it's not a choice. It's just probably because it um, fits with my own taste. Like I explained at the beginning of his interview, I'm coming from pure... Two player abstract games. That means that when I was from 10 to 20, I was playing quite only abstract games. And probably that into my creation, even today, um it's a kind of scar, in fact, it's 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 a result of probably this the way I built my mind at, at this time. But, but frankly speaking, it's not a choice for me to, to build two player games. It's, it's just a result of how my brain is connected. And it's also one of the reasons why it's interesting to me to work with other people, because if I was working a lot, alone, maybe I would be quite only to play player games.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> Can you tell me uh, one thing, another thing that I find in your games is, um, that you, you 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 have turns that are very um, satisfying through like there's lots of combos that can happen. Uh, again, I can give uh, like Seven Wonders duel as an example, where you can have a turn that where you build a wonder and then you that that gives you another turn, cool. and th- there's a lot of in- interaction through blocking the other player and take uh and having those satisfying turns. How do you uh, make it so a game? Has a turn that really feels uh, important.
1: Um, one thing which is important to me is that I really, I really like direct interaction. I know that some people don't like that, uh, but for me, in you know, a in a game, I like when we can interact directly. I don't know. I don't really like when everybody plays on his own things, and you have only indirect interaction. So. This is probably one thing which is, uh, connected to me. The other thing is that, uh, I think that the main engine which explains, uh, how, uh, a satisfying game is frustration. That means that we all have, uh, we don't all have the same, uh, way to support frustration. But if you have, if you are too much frustrated, you don't want to play again if you are not enough um, frustrated you don't want to play again and i always try to to adjust the level of frustration at the say se- at the best way just to just to want to go again and again and again so i try to give satisfying things on each turn to the people and sometimes You can get a little more, but sometimes you don't have it, etc. And that means that you always want to go again and again, trying to make something just a little better than the other. other. And these really small steps, which are quite invisible, probably explain that you stay connected into the game, uh, concentrated, and you you want to you you are waiting uh, with. Quite such an impatience to your next turn to try to do something else, etc. So I think that these small things keeps you connected to the games during all the time of the game. I try to do that. I don't know if I succeed each time, but you know, my my uh, my way is quite selfish. That means that I'm designing games for myself. For my own taste, when I propose a game to a publisher, it's not because I want to have one more game onto the market. It's because I love to play that game myself. So, and then I try to share that with other people. So when I'm satisfying playing a game, for me it's it's okay, and I think that uh, I try to to share it.
0: And could you tell me about uh, playtesting about the when you have that first. Uh prototype of a game, who you go to um, and what kind of things you look for uh, when you're testing out the game?
1: I have uh, three different uh, groups for playtesting. Uh, first one is at home. My girlfriend uh, is a gamer. She is a gamer, really. Probably uh, a probably, uh, deeper gamer than she likes. And her daughter, which is ten, is also uh, likes also playing games. So during the lockdown, for example, it was quite comfortable to me because uh, I had to stay home, but uh, we were always free to to play test my game. So it was perfect. So this is the first circle, but f- for sure it's not sufficient because it's too much uh, involved in. Uh, uh, it's it's too close, you know. Uh, the second group uh, is a group of gamers, which is uh, in ANSI, uh, 30 kilometers far from me, where I can meet, for example, Marc Pacquien, uh other friends who are creating a, a, a publisher, which, which who became publisher. Uh, it's um, Blam, the, the publisher. They published Celestia in France. There is also my my son, which is twenty six, and which is also uh, a big a big gamer. And these guys are more connected to game industry, etc. And um, uh, with less affect. So that means that uh, we can discuss very deeply into mechanism, into less interesting. And the first the third circle is uh, friends. Who likes games, but who are not involved, who are not involved at all in the game industry. So, uh, so my my close people, uh, some technicians, I would say about games, and some families. And when I mix with these three uh, different groups, it helps me to have clear ideas. But I'm always participating to the game sessions to the playtesting game sessions. Because never mind what other people are telling me, I always try to, uh, I always want to um, compare what they say to what I think.
0: So you you participate in all the the playtests then Do you take your uh, do you do blind tests with your games where um, you you give rule books to people or is that something that the publisher usually takes care of and how do you go I
1: I never do that on my side when when I give my game to a publisher I give a full prototype with the rules which are perfectly written. Then we can discuss some adjustment, for sure. But uh, it's very important to write the rules and to be clear on the game experience you want to give. So uh, it's. I think that uh, you have only one chance to make a first good impression. So I prefer to wait until the game is really satisfying to me before uh, showing it to a publisher
0: having all of those projects at the same time uh, how much time do you take per day how do you keep it organized how do you keep them all moving and are, are there points where you want to uh, where you you have to stop a project
1: when when i'm working when i say i have 15 projects at the same time they don't have they don't are at the same level of uh, development what means some of them are, are finished that means they will be published in a, in a few weeks, but I'm still working on them. It takes me time just to play them again, to verify the files of the publisher, to make some some communication on internet and the social network, just to prepare them to arrive onto the market, etc. I have some other um, projects that are finished on my side as a prototypes, but. I'm looking for publisher. That means that it takes me time just to send the files to verify if they have uh, play tested or not. Uh, if, uh, if they want some modifications, if, if all, all is clear. So that takes me sometimes. I have other games that I'm developing, developing at this time. That means that I have a first or second or the third prototype, but I'm playing them, adapting the, the rules. Uh, Depending on the playtest, and I have also some sparkling ideas which I'm just thinking, writing some notes, etc. and and this makes all my day. <laughs> and uh, and how to choose what to do. It depends mainly of uh, what I want to do at the time and emergencies. Each day I have some things that I cannot postpone. I have to do yet. So this. The emergencies is what I'm doing each day, and then, during my free times, I share my time between different things, depending of my own taste um, for which I want to do at this time, and f- f- depending on the time I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have not, if I, if I have only small sequences, I will do small things, but uh, if when I have to go deeper into a project, I need time. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep this time just to do
0: that. Yeah, and do you have uh, deadlines for yourself? Um, no. So no, just- no the, I,
1: have, I have deadlines when the game is signed and when I'm working with publishers. These are the deadlines which sometimes uh, create some emergencies, but on the developing uh, process for, the, for the development process I have no deadlines mm-hmm. so I, I, I take the time I need
0: Can you tell me about when working, like you said some uh, designers who you work with you just talk to over email um, can you tell me how that process works when you're not in the same um, in the same place and you don't get to see that designer um, so often in the game uh,
1: in fact, uh, I'm working with a lot of different designers and the process we have is different each time. Even if I am the same guy, uh, that means that uh, the, the duo has to find his own way to work together. And it's very different when I'm working with Bruno Feduti, with Serge Léger, with Théo Rivière, with Marc Pacquian, etc. For example. With Bruno, it's quite if we are engaged into a race. <laughs> that means he's working very, very fast. And that means that if I want to have a chance that my IDs come into the games, I have to be faster than him. <laughs> but the, the thing which is really funny is that we designed uh, maybe five, six, seven games together. I don't know exactly. But we never played them together before the game was published. <laughs> because he's living in Paris. I'm living in in southeast of France. Uh, and we have our own playtesters groups. Then we have some feedbacks, we change, etc. But the fact is that we never play the prototype together before the publications. Mm-hmm. With Serge Léger, it's something very different. To work together efficiently, we need to be together. Even if we are living far, far, we need to together. We need to have some eating, some drinking, some speaking about life, etc. And then we work together efficiently. But it's more. It's 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 something really different. Um, with uh, with someone like Theo Rivière or Corentin Bras, uh, we we change we exchange a lot by mail but uh, with Messenger or by Skype. We make some Skype sessions or Discord, never mind the the support, but uh, we speak face-to-face with the video, and it's enough to uh, to take some decisions, and then we go back on our prototypes, and uh, and we work together. And which is very interesting is the the story of of how we work with Antoine Boza. With Antoine, we we don't exchange so much, in fact. And some, and at a point we think that we have to be together. And because uh, just to, to be sure that we want to do, because there are some blocking situations or we don't know what to do, etc. And when we have a meeting, it's, it's crazy because it's, it's, it works that way since the beginning. I go by car to him. It's two hours and a half of driving. And when I arrived, we sit around the table, and 15 minutes, half an hour later, it's finished, because all comes as it was evident uh, at this time. It was not possible speaking together to find that situation, etc. But when we are together, all is as an evidence. It's uh it's uh, very strange and. Uh, and it's very uh, interesting to work with this way for sure so there is no real rules you 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 see it will depend of the, the personality of each co-designer
0: mm-hmm. I, I love how you um, earlier when, when you said having other people to bring out bring you out of your comfort zone uh, do make make games that you're not comfortable with um, do, do you feel that that expands your um, scope of the types of uh, games you make?
1: Oh, yes, I think. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and for for the games themselves, but also for the stories, for example, uh, I think that I would never have, have made a game like Imaginarium with this uh, specific uh, universe if I hadn't worked with uh, Florian Siriax. It's a game I'm very, very proud of, but uh, but sure. Without Florian, I would never have made this game. Sure, definitely. So it's really a chance for me to to be able to work with so different people. That's also one of the reasons I have to say that uh, I'm really upset when uh, when players on on the social networks or on forums, etc., just speak about my name. When it's a co-design, mm-hmm. because the result is not my games; it's a co-design. So, so I, I think that the, the best would be to respect the two designers. Sure, I have the the chance to find. It's not a chance to be older, but <laughs> I'm older. I'm on the market for for more time. So maybe my name is more known. But uh, please never forget my co-designers. They are they are involved as far as me in each of my games.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that that you've been involved with so many um, people to make so many um, great projects. And I I, I think that um, your your involvement was able to bring out the. The best in a lot, a lot of cases because of uh, your, your success rate, you know, <laughs> with, with games. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I, but it's, defi- I, I, it's You're definitely right that uh, it's a cooperative product. Especially, like, tell me, tell me what it was like working on a game like Conan, where you were, I think, five or six. Um, Conan is
1: different because uh, the game was still existing and the designer, Frédéric Henry, Henry mm-hmm. asked us, to develop expansions. So I was engaged to develop an expansion for a game system which was still exis- existing. So it's a very different way to work. I was free to do what I wanted, but I had just to create an expansion. So uh, it's not really innovative. It's like uh, teaching uh, a new chapter of, of a book, in fact. So, yeah. all was there. It was not really difficult to do that. And oh.
0: could you tell me how different it is uh when working on expansions or when working on games that uh, ver- versions of existing games like uh, with Seven wonders how how you made uh, you know, the two player uh, version
1: yeah two two different situations for sure. Um, for expansions. I have to say that I never worked on expansions because my publisher asked for I'm working on expansions just because I really love my games. (laughs) And uh, I play them long time after they are published. That means that, you know, when I sign a contract, very often the game comes onto the market one year, one year and a half later for the the process, Okay, During this time, I go on playing the game again and again with my prototypes. And when you have played one game you really love, 15, 50, 60, 100 times, sometimes you need more for yourself. And very often, I'm working on an expansion just at the time where the game Comes onto the market just because I want more for myself. And, but it's quite the same amount of work to, to build an expansion than to create the former game. In fact, it takes time for sure. And I do that not to get money, but just because I, I want, for example, it was exactly that for, for five, Tribe. five Tribes. Five stripes, I paid so many times. And I wanted more and more and more just to refresh my own pleasure with with, with the game. And so it has been the same for Habis, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's the way I'm working on expansions. Uh, concerning Seven Wonders Duel, it's something really different because all comes from Antoine. You know, uh, Ant- Antoine has been so successful with uh, Seven Wonders. And... Um, he wanted to make a two-player games just uh, connected with uh, Seven Wonders, just because there is a rule in the, in the Seven Wonders games, but he never really liked these rules. And he thought that playing two players with this rule didn't give the players the game experience he really wanted. So he decided to make a pure two-player games just to have the game experience he wanted. But... He starts. He started alone, but he didn't succeed to do exactly what he wanted. And so he offered me during a flight to Gen Con <laughs> to join him and to work with him on that project. So it was really different because it was a game still existing, but we have to adapt it to two players. And then we discussed together just what to do. And in fact, with this game, it was not so difficult, in fact. Just because, you know, we had to keep all what was inside Seven Wonders. That means we had to, to keep the, the, the categories of cards, the, the science, the military, etc., etc. For the civil, civil cards, for the blue cards, we had nothing to change. For the yellow cards, some slight adaptations, but it's it's, it's quite the same. For the resources cards, nothing to change. But for the military, it couldn't work the same way. It was impossible. Just because if we are playing together, a two player, I have not a, a right neighbor and a left neighbor. It's just you. So we had to find something else. And military, that means strong, strongness. And it was I, pushing, um, and it was quite, quite, quite an evidence, in fact, to have this track for military. It was the, I think, the quite, the, an, an evident answer to the problem we had to face, in fact. For sciences, since the beginning of the game, I, I, of Seven Wonders, I was not really satisfied with the way the green cards works. It works very well, but each time, you have to explain again how it works, just because the, story, the scoring is, for most of the people, too complicated. So as far as we had introduced a first way to win immediately the game, I proposed, Antoine, to add a second way to to, to win immediately the game, just to collect different symbols. And, it was also uh, quite an evidence in front of of, uh, of what we had to to face, in fact. And then, the third thing we had to change is was the drafting system, because you know, if you draft the same way I've said in wonders, it doesn't work. Mm. It has no interest. There is no tension. I have cards. I keep one. I give you, but I take your cards. So immediately we know exactly all the all the cards. So it's not interesting, but when you look at the pyramid of cars, it's exactly the same, but on a different way. Because if I go first, I have a choice between six cards. I take one. I give you, it's your turn. You have a choice with, with five. But when you take one, it reveals another one. It's, it's a quite of drafting system where a part of your hands is exactly the same, and sometimes it's a little refreshed. And so we did exactly, we kept the same feeling of drafting, but with something which was really adapted to two players. So we worked this way. We discussed about this during the flight. It It took us maybe half an hour, one hour, no more. We wrote that on the book, and when we came back, we built the first prototype and when we needed a lot of adjustment just to balance the game. But all the ideas were worth still the beginning because it was the answer to a problem, but with the best evidence as possible.
0: Yeah, and then you, you recently released a solo mode for the game. Could you tell me about working on a... What are the differences when working on a game that's uh, for just one player?
1: The first thing I have to say is that uh, mainly I don't like solo games. Uh, I don't like solo adaptation because uh, in the main cases, it's too, too, too complicated. It has... But if an ID come, why not to offer a solo game? But it has to keep the same game experience. It has not to be a, a fully new game. It has to be Really simple, and uh, and that's it. And uh, for for Seven Wonders, I I found some solo uh, version on the internet. Some people uh, building solo version and proposing them on, uh, for example, uh, on Board Game Geek, for example. But each time I had a look at them, I thought it was too complicated. So you have to simplify really simplify. Uh, that means that you have the, the structure of cards, that means that your uh opponent has to take one card. Which one? The main um how to say the, the main menaces are on military and science. Okay. So that means that you draw a card Teaching them, teaching your fans, uh explaining if your opponent choose this way or this way, okay, and then you have priorities. Will he, if there is a, a, a green card, he takes the green card. If he, if if not, he go to a red, and if not, he takes the first card in this way or in this way, and that's all. And it never has to pay. He's always a low, uh, he always build the cards. Always, always, always. He has no wonder to beat, but you have some leaders with specific strength And, and so it's really difficult to beat, in fact. Mm-hmm. So you have to offer a real challenge. That means that in a solo game, it has not to be only a race for victory points. You have to be able to lose the game immediately, which is the case in the solo variant we made. It has to stay simple. It has to stay with the same feeling of game experience. And I think that what we did on the solo version works that way. Mm -hmm. It seems Mm -hmm. that the the feedbacks we have are quite good. So I'm satisfied with that.
0: Yeah. And could you tell me what kinds of games you play in your free time that are not by you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) At this time, uh, for example, we are playing Lucky Numbers. Uh I don't know if you know this no, game. I don't, I don't. So uh so it's, it's a it's a game by Michael Chart. Mm-hmm. It's it's fast, it's simple. I really like to play two-player games like uh Battleline, for example. I'm also a fan of the game by mainframe. Uh and um but I have also, uh, yes, I, I'm playing Unlock very often. I think I've made quite all the, um, all the stories, all the boxes for Unlock. At this time, we are playing uh, Splendor Marvel, the Marvel oh, yeah. version, yeah. which is, which is good, really. But main, I've 90% of my gaming times is dedicated to my prototypes.
0: <laughs> do, do you enjoy the time that you have with other games?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking that I'm not playing enough. Yeah. I have not time enough to play. I would like to play more, in fact. But uh, when you are working on so many uh, uh, projects at the same time, uh, the free times is not so easy to find. Mm-hmm. That's also why I'm, I'm liking to meet other game designers, because I'm playing other prototypes. And together, we also play other games. So, which is uh, interesting to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, do do you... uh, uh, For the last time, I'm going back to your your influences for a game. Do you find that uh, when it comes to... uh, Like, how how many of your games do you think are influenced by... Directly by other games?
1: I don't know, because, uh, you know, I will never say that uh, there was no influence. Because for sure there has been an influence, but it's not really conscientious. Uh, it's a. Uh, I feed myself with books, uh, comics, movies, a series. Uh, something I'm, 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 I'm also reading. I'm not playing a lot, but I'm reading a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, on on internet, etc. So all this come into my mind, and sometimes there is an idea, but. It seems to me that the idea is fresh, but for sure it's it comes from all these influences. But how to say which one, etc. In the main situations, I don't know, uh, really, frankly speaking. But uh, I have one situation where I know exactly: it's for Shadows of a Camelot, because at this time. I played, my my sister offered me for Christmas, for me, uh, Lord of the Rings by uh, Knizia. Mm -hmm. And I said in my head, exactly what I didn't want. (laughs) Because I, I didn't want to play a cooperative game. For me, at this time, cooperative games were for children. So I'm competitor so why to play a, a cooperative games? No interest. Um, Lord of the Rings, at this time, it was before the movies. I never managed to to read the book, because in my life, I tried three times to read this book. And each time, I stopped after something like 80 or 100 pages, because it was <laughs> so boring to, to read that. Uh, then when I saw the movies, I find that interesting, but reading the book was unbearable for, for me. So I had no real wish to play that game, mm-hmm. but she, she wanted to make me happy and she bought that in the U S. It was expensive and I tried. And surprisingly, I was really captured by the game. This feeling to have this Black block coming closer and closer. Yes, it, it it was really uh surprising to me. And I played it again and again, but after three or four games, we knew exactly how to beat the game. So I was excited, but after some games, no more excited because I knew exactly what would happen, because the game is linear, it respects exactly the book. So that means that uh, the event comes always in the same order. Some things happen or not. But if you go the good way, you will beat the game. Mm-hmm. So it's at this time, I began to imagine that I would like to build a cooperative game where you would be free and maybe without a pure cooperation, maybe, <laughs> with this idea of a traitor. And we discussed that with, uh, uh, with Serge. And this, and he, he did the same analysis on his own, on his uh, on his way, and he has started to create something. And he offered me to join him on the project. So, Shadows of the Camelot is clearly a consequence to have played Lord of the Ring by Nidia. Clearly.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. I, I want to get into some questions that were asked by other designers um, towards you. Uh, The first question is by Haralampos who asks, uh, after coming up with a main mechanism for a game, for example, uh, Mancala on a grid, what is the process to find what might fit best for the game, uh, enriching that main mechanism?
1: I'm not sure to understand the question.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure either now that that I read it. Uh, So when you come up with that main mechanism, the the way I understand it, um, how do you find other things to add to it? Um, ah. in order
1: to, to make it work? I don't know. In fact, for, for me, it's... Uh, how to say? I don't isolate it, something. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, but the, the main idea of uh, Five tribes is the Monkala mechanism. Then what to do with that? Uh, you have to offer something rich enough um, to keep the, the interest into the game and not complicated, not to be, uh, too, too difficult to learn. Um, what I try always to do mainly is, um, to, to offer the players some dilemma. On your turn, you need to want to do that, that, or that, but you only can do one of these things. So having not too many possibilities, but wanted to make each of them. And when you have turn after turn this kind of dilemma, it's the, the game works by itself, in fact. Mm-hmm. So so for for example, for um, for five tribes, we have five colors. Uh, and each color was connected. You have the green for for the resource, for the, the goods. You have the yellow um, for just points. You have uh, the blue for money, etc., etc. And each thing it has to be valuable, depending on the situation. That means that you have some topography when you place the tiles, etc. So from one game to another game, the situation is not exactly the same, and. When you have these kind of things into a game, it, it works by, by itself, and then you just have to, to balance all the, the the things just to have something which is always interesting from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the next question is by uh, Dimitr, who asks, uh, how do you know when to simplify a game?
1: Ah, Very often when you are a young designer, that means uh, when you are designing the first games, you want to demonstrate all the world that you are unique. And some very often you want to put all your ideas into a single game. And very often a first game is composed by three different games. So probably I did that at, at the beginning of, uh, Of my first creations but uh, today I quite never have to simplify anything because I start I'm always starting with something very simple and then I just go I just add some things if it's needed so I go in the opposite way I'm not simplifying some things I'm creating something simple and then I try to let it just at the, the sufficient level So I do it on the reverse way, in fact.
0: (laughs) It's very, very, very uh, interesting. Um, Jordan asks, uh, which game made you most proud uh, as a game designer?
1: (laughs) It's also a difficult question because, uh, like you can see, uh, game designing is not my job, it's my life. Mm -hmm. And my games are quite as my child's. And you will never ask a father which of his child he prefers. But I can say two things. The first is that I have a special relationship with five tribes just because it's connected to my own life with my son. Uh, we had some difficult time because of the divorce, etc., And uh, mm-hmm. he, didn't, he didn't refuse to see me for quite two years. And, um, we reconciliate, uh, when I was building the first prototype of Five Tribes. And at this time, it became my first, uh, playtester and very good and made. And so that means that this game came into the market, was successful. And it was also connected to my story with my son. So that means that I always, I have some emotion with this game because of my personal way more than for the game itself. So 5.5 will stay for sure all my life as something special. And the second game is here. It's not published yet. It's a two-player abstract game. It's named Insert. And I'm so proud of this one. Uh, for me, abstract games are the quintessence of game design because there is no artifice you cannot hide yourself with components with stories with anything it has to be pure and uh, it will be published next year i hope and probably it will not be my most successful game because you know that abstract games are not so much uh, well recognized on the game market but on a pure game design uh it's Probably what I consider as my best game ever.
0: From the same person, um, is, he asks, is there an amount of games a designer should play uh, before making a game? And we kind of talked about this earlier.
1: Uh, I don't know, but uh, I think you have to play the most as possible for sure. And what was uh, sure concerning myself is that one game changed my life. That means that I wanted to play a game for a long time, but I had no idea what to do, how to do, etc. What to begin with, etc. And I played Magic the Gathering a lot at this time, at the end of uh, the nineties. And uh, these games by Richard Garfield opened my eyes, and I understood a lot of things just playing Magic the Gathering for sure. So this game. Created something special into my head. Maybe it will be. could be the same for other publisher, or maybe for some other publisher, it will be another game. I don't know. But, but for sure, uh, magic triggered something, and helped me to become a game designer. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> uh,
0: this next question is by Tuomas. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, have you started a game design with only a theme?
1: Yeah. Sure. My, my, my first game, Sophonie Loire Lawless, uh, I knew that I wanted to create it, something, but, uh, I didn't, I had no ideas about the mechanism of anything. I just, I just knew that I wanted to make something into, uh, the far west, wide, wide west. Okay. And I began to look at, uh, pictures that I could use into my to build my prototypes, I knew I, I was just picking some some pictures, etc. on the internet, and during the process of picking the pictures, all the game mechanisms came into my head at this time. So I began with a story, and then it be, it became a, a game.
0: Chris Back asks, um, how do you approach playtesting these days? Meaning with the pandemic. Ah. Huh.
1: Um First, like I explained, I have a chance to be uh, locked down with uh, my girlfriend and her do- 10 years old daughter, which are gamers, so that means that we are always free to play anything at, at home. So this is very interesting to me. It's a chance. And the second thing is that uh, I'm connected on a tabletop simulator, and during the lockdown, I uh, programmed a lot of uh, my, my prototypes on a Tabletop Simulator. And I was able to, to play playtest with my co-designers and then to present them to publishers. And during the lockdown, I signed two games, just presenting them to publishers uh, by a Tabletop Simulator.
0: OK. And the most asked question, this was something that I think (laughs) many people asked, is Is there an expansion planned for Yamatai?
1: No. No. (laughs) No, because because I would like, for sure, because I like this game, but uh, the chance we had was to be published by Days of Wonder, because that means that when you are published by Days of Wonder, you are always... Have really high quality components, etc. The game is wonderful. I really love the, the way it has been published. And this has uh, the reverse side of that is that uh, Days of Wonder belongs to Asmodee, and Asmodee wants to 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 make only hits. That means that Yamatai was prince. Printed at something like uh, 15, yes, 15,000 copies. They sold well for sure, but not well enough for someone belonging to Asmodi. That means that they won't publish it again. They won't reprint it again and they want us to work on an expansion. So very nice component. It was successful for us. But not successful enough for that kind of publisher. If we had made the same game with someone like Bombix, for example, or another small or smallest publisher, we would have had a, a reprint and we, we would probably had to work on an expansion. But in this, with this publisher, it's not possible. So maybe someday, if another publisher wants to go back on that project, we could uh, because we have the right back now. We could sign it with another publisher if someone was uh, interested. So, hey, publishers, if you want so Yamatai, it's free. And then we have ideas to develop it for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is the, the last question uh, by Polly. Uh, has your method changed over the years between your first and your last game? No.
1: Since the beginning, I'm working exactly the same way just because I started to work on development of my games quite late. That means that it, this came after 18 years working in research in development in material sciences. And my way of working is exactly the way I learned to work in my former job. That means you have an idea, you developed it with some experience, uh, plan etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's quite scientific in fact and then when it's when the answer is exactly the one you want you have to write a process and writing the process in my former jumps means today writing the rules and so that means the method of working has been a long way um, learned and it fits. it fits exactly what i need with my games so i have no I, I worked this way since my first game, and it's always the same today.
0: What would be the advice you would give to somebody who wants to start a game designer, has designed uh, one game, but is looking to? Um...
1: I would say play testing, playtesting, testing, play testing, play testing, and play testing. So this is the first, really, really important. Uh, a game designer, something, someone, sorry, who has to be able to listen to all the, the feedbacks he will have. But in all, all these feedbacks, he has to isolate it, with, which makes sense, and just to forget all the all the other things. Because you have to do your own game, not the games of your friends. You do your own game. You have to keep uh, your direction. A game designer is someone who creates a path you don't have to analyze the market and try to some to make something which fits the market. No, follow your ideas, go on your direction, and then try the other people to come with you. Forget the market. Um, you have to be confident in yourself for sure, and um, you have to simplify always, not to make things too complicated, and just be patient. But what I mean is what I was saying uh, before, and that means that uh, when you create something, you want to show it very fast because you are excited, etc. But you have only one chance to make a first good impression. It's very easy to to, to contact and to present games to uh, publishers because never mind if it's your first game or not, you will have a meeting they they will look at your work, be sure of that. Uh, They don't care to sign uh, an experimented designer or, or not. They want to have a good feeling with a project, but you have only one chance. Because if your game is not solid enough, even if you come back one year later, they will keep in mind that it was not solid enough. That means take your time and present something that you are two hundred percent satisfied, and then you will have your chance or not. But uh, but so you know today there are so many 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 new prototypes coming on the market. The um, publishers see hundreds of them. so take all your chance on your side, taking your time and presenting something two hundred percent finished this would be my advice
0: <laughs> thank you so much for uh taking the time to talk to me today it was just amazing
1: my my pleasure i hope, I hope, I hope it was uh exactly what you wanted <laughs> Yeah.